Welcome to the Beeson Podcast, coming to you from Beeson Divinity School on the campus of Samford University. Now your hosts, Doug Sweeney and Kristen Padilla. Welcome to the Beeson Podcast. I am your host, Doug Sweeney, here with my co-host, Kristen Padilla. A few weeks ago, Kristen interviewed me, and now it's my turn to interview her and ask her to sit in the guest chair. For the past several weeks, we've been having conversations with colleagues at Beeson on the podcast about several exciting new developments underway at the school. I gave a bird's eye view of these developments in the first podcast of the year. Then we interviewed our new colleague, Stephen Johnson, about the Thriving Pastors Initiative at Beeson, and Dr. Tom Fuller, our Associate Dean, about all kinds of academic updates. If you missed any of these previous episodes, I encourage you to go back and listen. We want to end this series of conversations with our very own beloved Kristen Padilla sharing about work she is doing as it relates to our female students and women in ministry more broadly particularly through a brand new center at Beeson called the Center for Women in Ministry. One quick reminder before we start today's show, our spring 2021 preview day is coming up soon. It's on February 5. This will be an in-person preview day, which is wonderful during this COVID season. It will allow prospective students to hear from a whole host of our people, including some faculty, staff, students, and you may even have to put up with me for a little while. Everyone who attends Preview Day will have his or her application fee waived, so there's good reason to sign up now. Registration is open online at bsundivinity.com slash previewday. Well, everybody who's listened to this podcast more than once or twice knows today's guest, Kristen Padilla, who's the managing, excuse me, the manager of marketing and communications here at Beeson Divinity School. She's been here a long time. She's an alumna of Beeson. She's the spouse of our New Testament professor, Osvaldo Padilla. Uh, She's a central feature of our life together here at Beeson. So she's no stranger, but her new initiative in developing a center for women in ministry may be news to some of you, our listeners, because she's just starting to launch this initiative these days. And that's the main reason we have her on the show. But Kristen, before we get into the details of this new uh, exciting venture of yours, Would you tell our listeners more than you usually get to tell them on the podcast about your background? How did you come to faith in Christ? What's your spiritual story like before you arrived at Beeson? Well, thanks, Doug, for having me on the show. I was born and raised in Texas. Um, My dad is a Southern Baptist pastor. He served as pastor of smaller churches, usually in rural areas. So I was immersed in the church at a very young age. Actually, I was born when he was a youth pastor before he started seminary uh, many years ago at Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in Fort Worth. Um, so he, he, my earliest memories are actually from from those seminary days in Fort Worth and um, at the church that the, my parents attended. So I grew up in the church hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ. I came to faith in Jesus Christ at a Billy Graham crusade in Little Rock, Arkansas, actually. And I was very young. I was almost seven. I remember the evangelist Billy Graham asking folks to come down if they wanted to follow Jesus Christ. And so I got out of my chair and started walking down the stadium steps and 
my dad pulled me to the side and just had a special moment of prayer and then was baptized on my birthday at the age of seven. So I've had a very sensitive spirit to things of the Lord and a deep love for the church very early on. And we can get into just my own call to ministry, but a lot of that was shaped by my upbringing in in Texas. Uh, I ended up going to Washtenaw Baptist University, where Dr. Westmoreland was my president at the time. Um, He is now the president here at Sanford University. I then came to Beeson Divinity School to do an MDiv. And I just never left. I'm um, back on staff and feel very grateful to be able to invest in the ministry of Beeson and to be a part of students' lives here in the school. Well, Kristen, we are grateful to you, as you know, try to tell you that a lot. And we are grateful to the Lord for bringing you here. As our listeners probably know, uh, Beeson Divinity School serves some students and churches and denominations that have female pastors and some students and churches and denominations that don't have female pastors. Uh, You grew up in the Southern Baptist Convention that has lots of ways for women to get involved in ministry, but doesn't have female pastors. And yet you have felt a tug, a call to ministry yourself. What was that like for a, a good Baptist preacher's daughter to start thinking about seminary and thinking about what God might have in store for you as a minister of the gospel? Yeah, so in 2018, I I wrote a book, I published a book for Women Called to Ministry, and I share in my introduction that at a very young age, um, probably eight or nine, if I were to guess, I uh, cried real tears to my parents um, one day, why didn't God make me a boy so I could be a preacher? And it was not a cry of uh, feeling like I was born in the wrong body, um, you know, as some of these conversations go today. It was more of a cry, as I look back and reflect on it, of a recognizing the, the sense that God was working in my life and that I wanted to serve the Lord in the way that I saw my dad serving the Lord, but at the same time not seeing any women in full-time ministry uh, jobs or vocations. And so I, as I look back on those years of growing up, I uh, see that there was a lot of tension um, internally of, as I continue to grow in my faith, I just wanted to serve the Lord. That, that desire, that what I would call a call it when I was in high school, only grew and intensified, but I was trying to reconcile that with what I saw in my own context. I also write about in the introduction that the only women I knew who had been in ministry, and if you're Southern Baptist, you'll know exactly who I'm about to say, but Annie Armstrong and Lottie Moon. And these are two missionary women um, who we recognize, uh, Southern Baptists recognize at Christmas and at Easter with an offering in their name. But they were dead. And so they were not a, a live example of a woman in ministry. And it also presented ministry option only through the context of missions which, you know, at that time too, had a, a certain, I had a certain understanding of what that would look like, um, missions. So I would say it was, it was difficult working out what God was doing in my life in a context in which I didn't see women in full-time ministry roles. And I also wasn't sure what I could do or couldn't do. There was a bit of a crisis there. When I finally just 
what we would call in Baptist terminology, surrendered to a call to ministry in high school when I felt like the call was so strong on my life that I just couldn't say no anymore. And it really came to a point of just trusting the Lord that if this is what he was leading me to do, then he would see it through. When that moment came and I just came before the church, um, my church body was very encouraging and affirming of the work of the Holy Spirit in my life, but they couldn't make sense of it either. And they, you know, would say, I guess this means you're going to marry a preacher, or I guess this means you'll be the next Beth Moore. And so they too were trying to find how is this going to work out tangibly for Kristen. But all along the way, my parents have been very supportive and very encouraging. And it does make a difference in the life of lives of women when they have mentors um, or especially parents who are supportive and encouraging. I would not have gone to seminary had it not been for their encouragement. And so, so my, my passion, my desire to, to help women who are um, pursuing a call to ministry was really born out of, out of my own experience. Mm. Yeah, I wanted to ask you a next question about how you got to seminary. I, I wonder, given your experience growing up as a child, was the decision to attend seminary an obvious one, an easy one? Was it a decision you had to kind of struggle through before you made it? What was it like? How'd you actually get here to Beeson Divinity School? Well, as I said, I didn't have um, a female mentor to or a model, a role model. Uh, my role model was my dad. So my dad went to seminary in order to pursue ministry. So that was the path um, for me. Um, but it was in college that I started to doubt that path. Are women really supposed to go to seminary? Am I qualified? You know, those kinds of questions really arose. And I did have a female professor in the Christian ministry department in which I was in who was very formative um, in my life, who spoke into my life and said, Kristen, just because God has called you to ministry does not mean that you have to marry a pastor. So so if it had not again been for the encouragement of my parents and um, mentors in my life, um, I would not have ended up at seminary. But at the end of the day, there were, I would say, a couple of factors One, again, I just felt God leading me, and it became more and more clear as I got closer to my senior year and started uh, checking out places. With Beeson, I was interning the summer before my senior year, and I asked the pastor of this big church in First Baptist Church, San Antonio, where should I go to seminary? And he mentioned Beeson Divinity School. I had not heard of it before then. And then when I got back and met with our dean, he mentioned Beeson Divinity School um, a few weeks later. Someone else mentioned Beeson. So it, it became quite clear I needed to check out Beeson Divinity School. But I would say a second factor that influenced my decision to get theological training was that I saw a great need for women teaching scripture to be theologically trained. I saw the effects in the church of women teaching and leading and writing Bible studies who were not theologically trained. And I just had this sense that the call to um, teach and expound on God's word is a high calling and one that deserves your very best preparation, whether that's a man or a woman. And so because I had such a high view of a a, a call to a ministry of the word, um, I felt like that high calling needed the right preparation. So that's that's how God was working in my life that eventually led me to Beeson. 
you were saying that and the seminary dean of me was saying, amen, preach it, sister. <laughs> Way to go with the message about theological education. All right, so I want to ask you what your experience was like as a woman in seminary, but I, I kind of want to make the question bigger than that. Some of our listeners know, the rest of them will know by the end of the show, you're not only just a regular seminary student, but you're somebody who now is an administrative leader at a seminary. You lead a spiritual mentor group for female students at seminary. You've written a book about women who have a sense of call to ministry, and you have lots of conversations with other women who are interested in being involved in ministry. So can I ask you a twofold question? What was your experience like as a female at a seminary and, and a seminary that has both people who agree that women should be pastors and women who don't agree that women should be pastors. And then maybe on top of that, a broader question about what you know more generally about the experience of women like you in seminaries like Beeson. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and I will say at the outset that my experience, I recognize is not the experience of every female student in seminary or even who had, who has gone to Beeson, but I had a great experience, a very positive, positive experience. When I was looking at seminaries, it was actually my dad who said, I want you to be at a place where you're not constantly having to answer the question, why are you here? Where you're not having to waste energy defending studying scripture um, so that you can actually study scripture. And Beeson was such a place. And I I really give credit to the founding dean, Dr. Timothy George, for creating a school that has the ethos that Beeson does, where it's very charitable, generally speaking, um, very charitable, um, a generous orthodoxy. Um, and, and that has to, that, that kind of ethos needs to exist if you're truly going to have an interdenominational seminary um, that's going to thrive and do well. Um, so that was one of the beautiful, beautiful things about being a student at Beeson, because we were, it wasn't just uh, women and men and different views on what women could or shouldn't do. It was Baptists and Presbyterians and different views on baptism, etc. And so learning to learning what united us, that was actually what was stronger than the things that divided us. So I was blessed with um, great male colleagues. And to be honest, I think that that shaped my experience at Beeson. Um, I was I was studying with men who were encouraging and who were respectful and who were kind and who were generous. And so, uh, again, I know that is not the experience of every female student it is hard for female students in seminaries, generally speaking, because they're often very outnumbered in the classroom. So that can be intimidating. It can also sometimes, especially if you're the only female student, make you feel like, uh, I don't know that I should speak at all in this context. So that, that I would say is one challenge. I would say a second challenge is just finding other women um, who you're in school with who can um, who you can share some of these struggles with, who will understand some of the challenges that you have as being a female in a very male-dominated space. But again, I'm, I'm grateful to Beeson. I'm grateful to Dr. Timothy George and to you, Doug. I mean, you continue that, that vision in, in having a place where we are humble learners and where we practice and live out love and charity toward one another. And that makes a difference, I think, for females who are pursuing a call to ministry. All right, so it's probably time to start talking about your vision for a center that would be based here at Beeson Divinity School for women in ministry. 
Uh, I've got a few questions for you about this, and maybe we can take them in turn. But initially, can you just tell us how it is the Lord put this on your heart, and just generally speaking, what your vision is for this new initiative? Yeah, I'm very excited about it. So the vision for this new center really arose when I was working on my book that is was written for women discerning a call to ministry. Again, a lot of the impetus for that book was my own experience. So after seminary, I really struggled to find a space um, and a place to serve, to to work out my call, to um, serve the Lord. And we can maybe later talk about reasons why that is a challenge for a lot of women coming out of seminary, but that, that was my experience. And then that caused a whole lot of questions. Did I misunderstand God's call? Did, did all the studies and preparation I do amount to nothing? Is what I'm sensing the Lord's work in my life? Was that really, did it really comport with scripture? So I was wrestling more so after seminary with a lot of these questions. And then I realized in talking to other women who I was in school with, women who were still in school, they shared a lot of the same experiences. And I realized that there weren't a lot of resources to help women um, thrive in ministry. So that was the impetus of my book. And when I was working on my book, we um, really on the proposal of the book, um, Osvaldo and I were living in Cambridge, England. This is fall 2014. He was on sabbatical. Our son was three at the time. And this particular, I think it was a November day, um, Philip was at home with Osvaldo and I was walking across Jesus Green. And if you know Cambridge, you can picture it. Um, which gave me a lot of time to think and pray. And it was on my walk home that God just put a, a vision for a center or a hub that would have um, concentrated efforts to help and encourage women along their journey, along their um, ministry journey to be um, uh, faithful in gospel ministry for the long haul, to thrive in ministry, to be placed in ministry. And I remember when it kind of just came to me, I was overwhelmed by the idea. I was not working at Beeson at the time. So I, I didn't have a way in my head to see how God was going to make that happen. And I remember praying to the Lord, God, if this is really from you, um, if this is something of you, then you're going to have to see it through because I can't see any human, humanly uh, way possible that I could do something like this. And so the Lord did not let that idea leave me. And um, sure enough, he opened the door for me to be back at Beeson. And uh, as, as time has gone on, and as I've had conversations with many others, including you, about this idea, the Lord has really um, been opening doors. And we feel like the time is right to, to be able to do something for uh, women in ministry. Great, I agree. Second question uh, about the center itself. Uh, whom do you want to serve at the center? Uh, and what I'm thinking about is some of our listeners probably are wondering, so is this just uh, to serve women who are in denominations that have female pastors and they want to be pastors? Is it broader than that? Are you ever going to do anything that includes men as well? Can you just sort of help us get a feel for the people you want to serve in and through the ministries of the center? Yes. So the center, we hope, um, this is the vision for the center, 
is that it will exist to encourage and equip women called to Christian ministry. We see this center as a outworking of Beeson's mission to prepare God-called men and women for gospel ministry. So we want to begin with our own female students, providing resources and events and mentoring and all kinds of other opportunities to help them thrive while they are studying and preparing for ministry. Second, we want to help our female alums who are uh, in various positions, maybe looking for a job, out of a job, um, in ministry, and perhaps maybe the only female on staff or the only female in their area. And because we are an interdenominational school, which accepts women from these various denominations in various roles in Christian ministry, we want to serve them all. We want to walk alongside women who are called to serve as chaplains, um, to serve as ministers to women or children, as pastors. So as a center like Beeson, our aim is not to advocate for a certain position on women in ministry, is not to um, have a statement about women's ordination. Rather, we exist to walk alongside women in whatever denomination they are in and whatever theological context they are in um, within the evangelical Protestant uh, constituents that we serve and to see how we can help them thrive in ministry. And then the second part of the mission statement, um, which you mentioned about men, um, we want the center to be a resource for pastors, for churches, and in particular, male leaders. Um, I've been very encouraged by a lot of conversations I've had with um, our male alums, um, with other men who are not otherwise connected to Beeson, who um, recognize a need to create spaces for women to serve in ministry. They see that there are women in their churches who have a call to ministry. So they're asking really good questions about how can we do better at encouraging them and equipping them. And so we want the center to be a place that they can turn to that um, where we can provide some uh, really valuable resources as well. Fantastic. And the third question in this little series about what you want to do in the center uh, is a question about what your hopes are in the next few years. What would be some of the kinds of things you might actually do that would be open to some of the listeners uh, to this podcast right now, even people you, you've mentioned current students and alums, and we have ongoing connections to them. And it's sometimes easier for them than it is for other kinds of people to figure out how to get involved at Beeson. But for podcast listeners in churches in town, or maybe uh, friends at Samford University who aren't already deeply involved in the life of the Divinity School, are there things you're going to be doing that might benefit them, they might want to know about? I'm glad you asked that because I did leave off um, some other constituents that we do want to serve eventually. You know, we want to, we're going to be starting off small um, and then growing and expanding over the years. And so eventually we want to be serving um, female students at Stanford, undergrad students who are uh, pursuing ministry. And then we also want to be a resource and um provide aid to our uh, other women who are serving in ministry who are otherwise not connected to Beeson. Um, so that is a um, 
maybe short-term and long-term uh, goals of the center that we are serving those constituents as well. In the near future, uh, we are working with Dr. Tom Fuller, who we interviewed last week, and uh, the Reverend Stephen Johnson. They are working, as, as they mentioned, on the alumni conference, uh, which we hope that we can hold this summer. And so we are working to hold a pre-conference for our female alumni. So that's one kind of near-term event that we're working on. Uh, going forward, uh, we hope to have peer groups. We hope to have a lot of other events, big and small. I'm working with Dr. Stefana Dan Lang, who is on our faculty. Um, she's a great colleague, and she oversees our Women's Theological Colloquium. We hope to um, have a library that is going to uh, support our female students um, we are working to have um, eventually some resources on the website that any of our listeners um, will be able to uh, benefit from. Um, and then eventually we would like to be able to host uh, women who need to take a sabbatical or who want to do some research. Um, so there's a lot of things that we're dreaming about, that we're praying about. Um, again, we're starting off small. We have a wonderful advisory board um, that may be a little bit large as advisory boards go, but we want to reflect the wide variety of constituents that we are seeking to serve. Um, we are praying. We are seeking the Lord's guidance. And I'm just really excited about um, what lies ahead as we seek to serve women in ministry. Mm. It sounds like there's some stuff on the web that's coming that people should uh, keep tuning in and see if they can find out uh, more about your work on the web. Uh, in the near term, if people want to find out more, uh, what can they do? In the near term, they can reach out to me. Uh, my email is kpadilla, P-A-D-I-L-L-A, at sanford.edu. Uh, we have a female student at Beeson who is working with me, assisting me with some of the work behind the scenes uh, to get ready for uh, what we're going to eventually have on the website. But I would love to hear from you. Um, if if this is a an area that really excites you, and uh, you want to give to it, um, we would, I would love to talk to you about those opportunities as well. Wonderful. And I bet there's lots of listeners who are excited about this and will want to pray for you and the work of the center. How can they be praying for this? Yes. Um, pray for the leadership that we will have discernment and wisdom. Our, pray for our female students currently at Beeson and our female alums. As I have shared the vision of this center to them, they are so excited. They are ready to have a place where they can um, have encouragement, have more resources to help them. Um, pray for them. Pray for us as we raise funds um, to support the work of the center. And just, again, pray for God's blessing on it. That the center, again, what, what we want to do is we want the center to work in conjunction with Beeson to fulfill its mission to prepare God called, uh, in, in this case, women to gospel ministry. And so we uh, covet your prayers. Kristen, regular listeners to the podcast know that we usually end interviews with our guests with you, Kristen Padilla, asking other people, our regular guests, what they've been learning recently from the Lord. Uh, so now it's my turn to ask you as the guest on the podcast, Kristen Padilla, what has God been teaching you in recent weeks and recent months? 
Well, this spring, uh, you had invited me to preach in chapel, and I was supposed to preach on um, out of Amos 8, and then COVID canceled uh, our chapel plans. But that sermon um, assignment really launched me into reading and studying the minor prophets, um, really from the spring, summer, into the fall, which is been a helpful practice, I guess, or a theological exercise to read through the prophets. And it's been helpful, especially during um, a year with a lot of um, kind of, and I know it's an overused word, but um, unprecedented <laughs> types of events. So I've, I've been spending a lot of time in the prophets. And uh, one of the lessons or one of the things that God has been continually bringing to my mind and reminding me about is that all these things that happen in our world are opportunities to seek him. You know, I think of the many times in Amos when he said, you know, this happened, yet you did not seek me. You know, I did this, yet you did not seek me. And then he says again, seek me and live. And so this this desire of the Lord for us to seek him, I think of Revelation when he says, I stand at the door and knock. He is wanting um, us to turn to him. And, you know, in Amos, he, he was... Uh, addressing uh, kind of the twofold uh, sins of the people. One, this false worship, worship that had um, a bunch of syncretism in it. And um, that worship affected the way that they treated one another. So um, the two greatest commandments, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, etc., and love your neighbor as yourself. Um, they were failing in those two commands. And so the Lord was reminding them of that and yet still pleading with them to seek seek Him. And I often think in the Christian life, you know, the Christian life is the rhythm of confession, repentance, and receiving or granting of forgiveness um, to one another. And so I'm just reminded, you know, um, confession is good. Repentance is good. Um, the Lord wants us to seek Him. The Lord looks on the humble um, and hates the proud you know, all these things that, that God just desires um, a relationship with us. So it's, it's kind of a lot, but it's been really good and helpful to be in the, the prophet. So I guess I need to thank you for giving me that assignment. It's really launched me into um, a study that I was not uh, preparing for um, otherwise. Oh, what a wonderful way to end our conversation with Kristen Padilla about an exciting new initiative here at Beeson, an emergent center for women in ministry, which Kristen will direct. Listeners, you have been listening to my co-host on the podcast, Kristen Padilla, the manager of marketing and communication and the new director of women in ministry, uh, the center for women in ministry at Beeson Divinity School. She is currently working on a book with Dr. Timothy George, my predecessor, our founding dean on women of the Reformation for Zondervan Academic, and is contributing study notes on Jonah and Amos for the new CSB Study Bible for Women by Lifeway. A very busy woman and a very fruitful minister of the gospel. Thank you, Kristen, for being with us. Audience members, please uh, keep Kristen and this new initiative in your prayers. We are keeping you in our prayers. We are grateful to you, and we say goodbye for now. been listening to the Beeson Podcast. Our theme music is written and performed by Advent Birmingham of the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama. Our engineer is Rob Willis. Our announcer is Mike Pascarello. 
Our co-hosts are Doug Sweeney and myself, Kristen Padilla. Please subscribe to the Beeson Podcast at beesondivinity.com slash podcast or on iTunes. Thank you.